If Buildings Could Talk is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. If buildings could talk, what would they say? What does the building stand for, literally and figuratively? Hear the stories behind our buildings and how the design of these places positively impacts the lives of individuals and the success of our city. Welcome to If Buildings Could Talk, hosted by John Commison and Kelly Thompson. After additional monitoring for our sons, their heart rates began to drop and we went into an emergency C-section. Our son Benjamin passed away that day and our son Ethan began his fight and journey in the NICU with 120 days stay in the NICU there in Charlotte. Today we'll hear one family's emotional story about their children's medical emergency and how they were served by the Ronald McDonald House of Charlotte during that time. And how another family's experience in a different city years earlier led to the design and construction of the house in Charlotte. If the Ronald McDonald House could say anything right now, it would say, welcome home. Let me know what I can do to make your day easier. If the Ronald McDonald House of Charlotte could talk, it would say, I am the house that love built. Hey everybody, I'm John Commison. And I'm Kelly Thompson. And we're your hosts for If Buildings Could Talk. As you could tell from the quotes from the two guests that open our show, today we'll be learning about the Ronald McDonald House of Charlotte. You know, Kelly, probably everybody has heard of the Ronald McDonald Houses, and we all have some notion of their mission and the services that they provide, but probably not a whole lot of detail. So you've done a little bit of research. Can you give us some information on the house before we start with our guests? Sure, I'd love to. So I think most of us, when we hear Ronald McDonald House, we know and think about this place, you know, where weary families with a sick child can rest their heads. And it is definitely that, but it's also so much more. The Ronald McDonald House of Charlotte is truly, as we've mentioned, a home away from home. And it's been that for about 5,000 families since it opened in 2011. It provides a safe, affordable place to stay for those families who have children that are being treated at area medical facilities. It also allows them an opportunity to really stay close to each other. And it gives families time. You know, the house, its employees, and its nearly 8,000 volunteers, they help take the stress away from everyday things like cooking. And it gives that time back to families so that they can focus on the needs of their child. So John, I am so excited about highlighting this project and hearing more about it through those who have been so instrumental in making it a success. We heard from our first two guests at the top of the episode with their thoughts about what the house would say. Eddie Portis is an architect and a partner at Little and he led the design team for the house. Mona Johnson Gibson was the CEO of Ronald McDonald House of Charlotte from March 2008 
until January 2020 when she moved to the North Carolina coast with her husband. That just sounds wonderful. I'm <laughs> quite jealous. I was just there with my family uh, a month ago, so I'm sure you're living the life there. But during her early days as the CEO, she oversaw the construction of the house, the hiring of the staff, and the opening of the house to the first families in May of 2011. Welcome, Eddie and Mona. So Thanks. Eddie, let's, let's start with you. You had a very personal experience that led to you getting involved with the house in Charlotte. Can you tell us about that? It was uh, 2001, about three days before the Carolina Panthers were going to play in their first Super Bowl. And my son went away on his first church trip to go skiing with some friends. And uh, unfortunately, he slid off the side of uh, the slope and hit his head on a, a pole, put himself in a coma. So as we're sitting at home, we get a phone call that... Uh, our son was just life flighted to Johnson City, Tennessee. Uh, as you can imagine, even today, the hair stands up on my arms. Uh, so we immediately jumped in the car, took our daughter to a friend's house and didn't even know where Johnson City was, but no smartphones back then, but we figured it out as fast as we could get there. Uh, as you can imagine, we got there, we had nothing and we had the shirts on our back. And once we had kind of got settled into the hospital, uh, some folks from the Ronald McDonald House came and visited us and said, why don't you come over and sit with us for a little bit? And unbeknownst to us, they had this huge storage room where they were able to toothbrush and hairbrushes and things that we just didn't bring and a place to sleep. And I remember one of the favorite things for me uh, during that time were the chores that I had to do. Um, I had to mop the floor. I had to come do the dishes. It really wasn't about those. It was about getting out of the hospital and, and kind of refreshing myself so that I could uh, be there for my son. We spent uh, 10 days in the Johnson City uh, Ronald McDonald house, and then uh, we flew him back to Charlotte uh, via life flight. And fortunately for us, he has recovered uh, fully, and I still can't watch the Winter Olympics. But other than that, uh, it's been uh, a pretty blessed experience. And so when we got back to town, um, we obviously really wanted to repay that effort. And uh, we're quite surprised to realize that a city the size of Charlotte didn't have a Ronald McDonald house at that point in time. And so talking with a few friends, we got another few friends together and we found a few bankers and we found a few folks like Mona uh, and we built a grassroots movement and slowly started to push it forward. and. The hospitals came together to help us find a property that was kind of ideally located between the both of them. And from that, uh, we began the journey of, of designing a house uh, that, uh, as Mona knows, uh, I always felt was a home, not a house. You recruited a team to do the design work and you did all of that pro bono, right? Uh, that's right. I um, actually went to uh, you and Phil Kuttner and said that I was going to spend my nights working on the design of the project. And I still remember today you guys said, why would you do that? Uh, why not do, treat it like a real project and, and uh, see if you can get some volunteers at the office? So I sent out an email and asked around for some help from uh, a few friends, a few engineers. And uh, it was kind of heartwarming. We had too many people volunteering to help. It was hard to keep everything together, but we were able to do the civil, the landscape, the structural, the mechanical, the electrical, the plumbing, 
the signage, any, anything that we needed, we were able to get. And everybody on the team knew somebody in the construction industry. And, and that then started to filter out in, into the industry as to what we could get donated. Um, so not only were we trying to design a home, we were working with all of our local friends and vendors to find uh, materials for free. Uh, materials at cost and things of that nature. So we would change the design of the house and the and the character of the house every time somebody would donate all the brick or all of the uh, shingles for the house. We would we would slowly start to work those pieces and parts in so that a we made it more affordable, uh, but it really became a significant community effort to help get the house built. Let's talk a little bit about the design of the house. And you mentioned the the location on East Moorhead Street, which is just absolutely ideal. And the the house, although it's large, it really feels like it fits into the neighborhood very, very well. So how did you accomplish that? Uh, well, a lot of it had to do with uh, the persistence of our team to save as many of the large trees as possible. That area of town has uh, some massive oak trees. Uh, so those large oak trees really help diminish the scale of a building, keeping in mind this, this building houses 28 rooms. So it's, it, it could potentially be a small hotel. Uh, but the other way that we really started to work on it was how we eroded it away, creating a main entrance with a series of balconies and, and outdoor spaces for the families to be. But that worked to kind of break down the scale and uh, we worked with the local jurisdiction a lot. I mean, we pushed this thing uh, maybe to one inch on each side of the, the setback lines and the height limit that was allowed in the community to a half an inch, uh, thus the mansard roof. Uh, so we, we really tried to maximize as much as we could. And we also put a basement in the house. So it's actually four levels. Um, and, and the whole premise behind that was just remembering the amount of storage that's needed um, to be able to support all of the families. Not just that, but the laundry and, and having playrooms for the kids and things of that nature that didn't necessarily need daylight, uh, but it was just another way for us to get more square footage in a, in a smaller area without making the building too large. Most of us only see what's on the outside. What all is on the inside? Well, what we really wanted it to do again was to make it like a home. So when you came in, it, it's, uh, it's all about public living space. It's, it's a nice, beautiful uh, living room with some TVs and some places to sit. Uh, there's a wonderful kitchen that we put in that uh, has served the families for years and years now, but and I think it's actually being renovated uh, with some help of some friends today uh, to make it even more efficient and effective for families. Uh, we, we wanted to make sure that there was play areas outside where the kids could go and be safe. So connected to the kitchen while the parents would be cooking, they could look out the window and, and kind of keep an eye on their kids and uh, make sure that they were still safe out there. Uh, so that was a key element. As I mentioned earlier, the, the storage and the playrooms downstairs and gosh, I can't remember how many laundry facilities we ended up putting in, but it was a lot. Um, but there are a lot of rooms. Um, so we needed to make sure we could accommodate that. That paints such a great picture, you know, of what makes this house such a special part of our community. Mona, during your early days as CEO, you, you mentioned you kind of oversaw the, the construction of the house. And I know when we talked a few days ago, you said initially you envisioned this house being filled with 
fun, bright colors, but the design ultimately took a, a little bit of a different approach. Tell us about that initial vision that you had and how this different design approach played um, and continues to play such a critical role in carrying out the vision of the Ronald McDonald House. Well, Kelly, I think when you uh, think about Ronald McDonald House, you do think about kids and you think about color and you think about um, just loudness, I guess, and, and, uh, and certainly a lot of joy. Um, but what Little bought to me was, uh, Mona, the kids are at the hospital and that's, the hospital is bright and loud and cheerful. Um, but when the families come home, they really need a retreat. And I remember Eddie saying to me, Mona, I want it to feel like a lodge, almost like a spa. And, and I just, it just hit me that absolutely is what the families need. They don't need, they've been in that bright color, loud noise, bright lights. They do need that lodge feel, that um, spa feel. And so Little really did bring that to light with all the woodwork and the rock and brick and um, and even the colors, you know, the colors in the house are very spa-like, um, you know, very neutral blues, light, uh, real pale blues and greens and golds. And so um, it was just a wonderful uh, eye-opener for me to go, absolutely, that that's, uh, thank goodness y'all didn't let me design or pick the colors. <laughs> You were really in the trenches in all of this, Mona. Do you remember um, any significant challenges or, or things that you encountered that you had to, to overcome with really bringing this facility to life? I, I think the thing I look back on now, as I'm sure we all have, uh, is, wow, how, how, how do we do that? And the way I know that I did that was really through and with little. Um, because most of the things that would just pop up day in and day out, I had no idea. Um, you know, my husband still says, you're building a house, you, 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 don't, even, you don't know anything about plans. So uh, Little was really there to say, this is what the blueprint is telling you, this is what you're trying to accomplish. And even in trying to work with the community, which, you know, i.e. was my job, uh, Little was right there every step of the way to help me um, make sure that this was going to fit in our community, that it was going to be what our community needed um, and, and what was acceptable. So it, it, there was a lot of shocking moments, um, but I look back on it and, and laugh and think how easy it was. And, and I believe that was because of all the things and all the people that Little had brought to the table for Ronald McDonald House. I think for us, the biggest challenge was juggling all of the different people that wanted to help and trying to align everybody. Um, you know, everybody wanted to give us something, but, you know, we didn't need certain things or we needed some other things. And so trying to organize that was pretty incredible. And it was also right around 2008 when we, we broke ground and, and everybody remembers 08 as kind of the economic crash. And, and so we had our friends at Schultze and, and Robbie Lowe and the contracting team that that spearheaded that effort and they never skipped a beat, you know, and, and they continued to push on on their community vendors to to help us. But to me, that was the biggest challenge was, you know, we traditionally we specify what it is that we want the building to be. And here we were kind of catching pieces of the building as it would fly by or be donated to us and and figure out how to best integrate those. 
And I think when you have a partner like Little bringing all that to the table, it made it easier for me to go out to the community and ask for their support too, whether that was, you know, time, talent, or treasures. Um, how can you come to the table and help when you've got all this construction and architectural engineering uh, community really stepping up to the plate in a huge way? Um, the community did the same. The Ronald McDonald House is celebrating 10 years here in Charlotte, which is an amazing um, feet, I feel like, and such a such a great thing to be celebrating. Um, Mona, as we've mentioned, you're retired from your role as CEO. You retired earlier this year. Denise Cubbage is now serving as CEO. But how how has and how does the community continue to be such an, an essential part of the success for the house? I think when you when you have a home that large, uh, you know, as Eddie has mentioned, it has, we, we house 28 families at any given time. It's 35,000 square feet. Um, all, all of that takes more than a few staff um, that are there. It really does take a community. It takes um, all different types of people and, and different uh, things that they can bring to the table, whether it's their time to volunteer, to bring a meal, um, I know that looks a little different these days, but, uh, or, or maybe it's a talent they have, like little bringing architectural or cleaning or whatever your talent might be. Um, and, and otherwise, just your treasures, because as you can imagine, just running a 35,000 square foot house and trying to take care of 28 families, um, there's quite a cost involved in that. So I think the community has, over the 10 years uh, that I was there, has really stepped up to the plate and done whatever they felt like they could do. And, uh, and, and there's so much to be done. I mean, I always tell people, if you like to cook, come over. If you like to clean cutters, come on over. Um, if you just want to drop off some money, that will be fine too. Um, and, and sometimes it's just not sexy. We just need toilet paper and paper towels. So bring that too. So uh, the community has been tremendous to do that. So if someone wants to volunteer, give their time, what's the best way for them to reach out? Well, I would say to go on the website, rmhofcharlotte.org, and, you know, click on the donate button, click on the uh, volunteer button, look at what events or what things or what avenues interest you um, that you could get involved, because like I say, with a house that large, there's always something that you can do. Um, I'm not as familiar, you know, they always like to laugh and say I'm not that tech savvy, but I do know that there's a um, give to text campaign possibly going on right now. You may know more yes. about that. If you are listening and you would like to donate, you can text the word design one, that's D-E-S-I-G-N, the number one, to 41444. Um, again, design one, text that to 41444. So um, it's an easy way for those who are tech savvy to reach out and, um, and donate. Otherwise, Mona, I appreciate you uh, also mentioning the website as well. So lots of opportunities there. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care begins with the click of a mouse because online scheduling saves me time. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com.
Get ready. Broadway is returning to Charlotte. Blumenthal Performing Arts has an incredible selection of upcoming hits, including the returns of Hamilton and Wicked, plus the long-awaited Charlotte debut of Disney's Frozen and many more fan-favorite musicals and plays. Season tickets are on sale now at BlumenthalArts.org slash BPA Broadway. Wash your hands, avoid sick people, and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. At Ortho Carolina, my personalized orthopedic care doesn't have to wait because after hours, urgent care knows accidents happen. Ortho Carolina, my care, my way. Schedule your appointment today at orthocarolina.com. If the Ronald McDonald House could talk, it would say, I feel very comfortable nestled in between the mature willow oak trees and feel right at home in Myers Park with all of my neighbors. I think it would say, after a long pause and a warm hug, I'm sorry you are going through this. You are welcome here. This is a safe haven for grief and healing to take place. And our daughter would add, now come and get a fresh baked cookie. We just heard from two of our next guests, Dave Pallon, who is a landscape architect and the National Land Development Services Studio principal at Little, as well as a volunteer at the house. He's been involved with the house since its inception back in 2008. Uh, Ashley Murray and her husband, Jim, her daughter, Margot, and two sons, JD and Drew, are a military family stationed in Fort Jackson, South Carolina. They were guests at the Ronald McDonald House of Charlotte in the fall of 2018, while their twin newborn sons, Benjamin and Ethan, underwent medical interventions at a local hospital. Ashley, I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. Before we dive into that though, Dave, I'd like to, I'd like to go to you. Um, we've talked, you know, Eddie and Mona have talked so much about the value of the spaces inside the house, but there's also these amazing gardens that surround the property and um, they're, you know, just as important, I think, in making residents feel at home. Can you tell us a little bit more, describe to us why this area is so important to the house and how it aids in, in helping to carry out its mission? Sure. And, you know, as design professionals, I think we're always looking for opportunities to make a true difference or have an impact on people's lives. And, and I can say, you know, when Eddie recruited me to work on this project in 2008, uh, I had no idea that the, the impact that this project would have on my life. Um, and so it, it I, I'm really thankful to know that some of the spaces we've designed are, are truly, you know, the, these may be the smallest spaces I've ever designed, but have the greatest impact on people's lives. And specifically the healing garden space uh, is, is, you know, a very small 1500 square foot space uh, that is at the back of the house. Um, but it, it, it was, it's original, intent as a healing garden was to be kind of a 
decompression space for the families after having been at the hospital all day and and uh, dealing with what they had to deal with um, a place to go outside into nature um, we have several different small areas with benches where you can sit and and just relax and um, it's got kind of a front a front porch swing um, that uh, families can sit in together. Um, it's got uh, butterfly bushes to try to attract butterflies. It's got uh, statues of children playing. Um, and it's got a water feature uh, that is there to kind of create a white noise again and just, just create this, again, you mentioned spa, but almost a therapeutic space for people just to, to re recover after a long day. You mentioned the water feature, Dave, in the garden, um, and it it has become the centerpiece to something that was completely unexpected. The water feature originally was just meant to create some noise to to drown out the the street noise um, and uh, and the parking lot next door and and just create a nice environment. And what it has turned into is really more of a memorial space. Um, so now annually, um, the house hosts an event for families to return to the house who uh, have had children who have succumbed to whatever diseases they were fighting. Um, and each family is given a rock, a small rock with the, the name of their child engraved on the rock. And they place that rock uh, around this water feature. And um, it started probably five or six years ago, and it has now become an annual event that families return to year after year. To, uh, to help the, the families that are placing their rocks for that year and also reflect upon the time when they were the families placing the rock there. And it, it has really become a, a very special place. And as you mentioned, it, it was not originally intended to be that, but um, it has now become really the most special part uh, of the entire garden. So I'd like to welcome Ashley, Jim, and Margot Murray. So Ashley, as was noted in your introduction, you and your family were guests at the house. Can you tell us about uh, why you were there and what that experience was like? Yes, we were expecting identical twin boys in um, October of 2018. And they began growing at different rates uh, with a condition called twin-to-twin -twin transfusion syndrome. So at 24 weeks gestation, we came up to Charlotte for a fetal laser surgery to correct the imbalance. Um, however, after additional monitoring for our sons, uh, their heart rates began to drop and we went into an emergency C-section. Um, our son, Benjamin, passed away that day and our son Ethan began his fight and journey in the NICU um, with 120 days um, stay in the NICU there in Charlotte. Um, so our three older children and my husband and I tried to find a place nearby to be able to stay near the hospital. And the Ronald McDonald House was the perfect location to have the capacity to host our family 
and truly helped in a time whenever we were still reeling with the shock of such a different outcome and plan than what we had hoped for. Jim was able to take time off of work and um, the kids were homeschooling at the time. So we were able to have their tutors and community time during the week back in Columbia, South Carolina. And then they would be able to come up on the weekends. And I was able to stay that entire time to be intricately involved in Ethan's care and understand his needs in the NICU environment. And during that time, we also had an ongoing medical need for our then two-year-old son, Drew, um, who just weeks before this had been diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so it was all the more vital that we were able to spend time together on weekends and on holidays to have that family time together at the Ronald McDonald House, since our time was so divided with healthcare needs and unknown outcomes too. My condolences on the loss of your son, Benjamin. I'm sure that was extremely difficult for your entire family, grieving his loss, even as you had to summon your energy to support Ethan and then Drew um, with the things that they had to go through as, as well. So how are Ethan and Drew doing these days? Thank you. They are doing well. Uh, they are normal, rambunctious little boys. Um, Ethan just celebrated his uh, second birthday and he started out at just a little over a pound and now is over 24 pounds. Um, he is just running, playing, enjoying life with his older siblings. And um, there are still some things that we're watching for uh, with his health, but he's doing fantastic. And um, our son Drew had a successful surgery and has been doing well. And we are just very thankful for how God restored our boys. And we have had full health to enjoy uh, just the joy of, of a family with, with four healthy kiddos at home. Ashley, did you feel that uh, the house was a place of refuge for you? Were you able to rest and recharge your batteries so that you could give Ethan and Drew all of your energy and support while you were at the hospital with, with them? Yeah, it really became a place that I could go back to, um, especially after long days at the hospital. Um, we really were able to use it as a retreat. Um, the healing garden was a special place for me. I have a couple of times that were difficult days that I would go and sit out there and just meditate and, um, and pray and just take some, some moments out there. Um, and it became even more uh, special whenever we did find out that they did the Memorial Garden uh, rocks and do have our son's um, rock out there. And we were not able to attend, but another family who was staying at the house was able to place it right next to their son. So just the connections that are made. So the, the healing of the space um, that's just so intentional, but then the connections that are made because you are in a community space, a living space. And um, there are times whenever you can just really uh, connect with others um, just by the type of 
lanyard or wristband that they have that matches the same hospital as you or um, just in knowing uh, some of the um, families' needs, um, you really are able to connect. You mentioned that Jim and the kids would go back to Columbia during the week and then come back on the weekends. Jim, that must have been very difficult to leave Ashley during the week, but talk a little bit about how her staying at the house may have eased those concerns somewhat. It was challenging during the week to, uh, to come back, to leave her there. Um, and, and that's why I think we many times during holidays, during weekends, any moment we could, we would come back to the house uh, to, be, to be together as a family. Um, but there came a point where especially once Ethan started uh, his feeding um, and started to kind of, um, you know, be close to leaving the NIC unit uh, that Ashley would spend more time at the hospital than uh, at the Ron McDonald house because she was there uh, for many, many, really all the feeding opportunities, which, uh, which we see as a huge blessing and, and a huge help. And, and so to be able to know Ashley was safe, to be able to know um, that even though she was leaving the hospital late in the evening, um, she was going essentially just to the back door of the hospital um, and uh, she was being received in a safe environment, a secure environment, uh, was being encouraged uh, even at that hour uh, by security and those who were there. Um, and, and just to know that she was able to still be a mom. Um, you know, I think when we're in two different locations, there's a challenge um, for her to be able to be a mom in two different locations is hard. And challenging, but she was able to do that. And so the Ron McDonald House allowed her to do that in a safe way, allowed her to recharge in a very short amount of time to come back, to get a little bit of food, to get back out there, um, to, to be uh, the greatest care for Ethan. And so, um, but then on those special occasions, we were there uh, where Ashley didn't miss out on those celebrations, those birthdays, those holidays. Um, those weekends, um, we were all together and it allowed her um, to be the great mom that she really is and, and to, to fulfill both roles uh, with all the children. Ashley or Jim, could you tell us a little bit about how that works with meals? Do you make your own food or most of the time or are meals provided for you? Um, that's a huge blessing, especially as a mom of, of little kiddos to have um, this wonderful um, group of volunteers who come in and provide meals and even portion out leftovers for individual meals for after people come back. Um, they have set uh, times for mostly dinners and then uh, portioned out leftovers so that you can just come in and grab a bite to eat um, anytime that, that you need it. Um, our daughter Margot can share more about the pantry that she uh, loved to raid. So Margot, what were your favorite things from the pantry? Some of their cereal was pretty good. Um, mac and cheese was good you know, really anything that I could grab that was like a quick snack, but it almost tasted better than when you're at home and you're just taking something out of your pantry because you know that somebody you probably don't know and that they gave that food to the Ronald McDonald house, unknowing whose life it would go into. It just 
don't know how to explain it. It just felt so good. Well, you did a wonderful job. So what all is there for kids to do at the house? Um, there, are, there are two little kid areas. One is more for younger kids. And then the other is for more teens with pool, video games, huge stuffed animals. And um, the other has um, magnetic little toys, old movies. Yeah. VHS. Yeah, VHS. Oh, wow. That is old school. And then um, outside of that room, uh, for the little children, there is um, a playground that was really fun. There are therapy dogs, which is for everybody, but you could just go up to them and it's like they knew what was happening. They knew your life and they, they knew the troubles that you had and they just gave you a love that almost nobody else could give you. And so it was very comforting. And when you were walking up the stairs, if you got a glimpse, uh, you know, your day was just turned and it was very happy. Well, unless you were a cat person, then. Then that's a problem. <laughs> so for, for anyone in the Murray family, as you reflect about your time at the Ronald McDonald House, what do you look back on most fondly? I think for us, experiences at the house together you know, I, I think of a, a quote from Norman Wright. Uh, he speaks a lot about grieving and he says, grieving is a disorderly process. Uh, you won't control it, nor can you schedule it, its expression. And so I think the reality that the house had so many different opportunities to express the grieving. And that was in, in the kitchen, in the pantry. If, if, if that moment grieving to you was, was just eating your emotions. It was, it was there. Uh, if grieving to you was, was crying or sitting on a couch or doing laundry or um, just spending time alone in the garden um, praying, there are many, many opportunities to grieve. And, and one of the things that was very special and impactful for us was the intentional spaces to be able to do that. Thank you, Ashley, Jim, and Margo. Kelly, those were a variety of unique perspectives that create an interesting story about this facility. What, what do you take away from our conversation today? Gosh, what don't I take away, I think <laughs> is the question. But, you know, John, I think it highlights just exactly what we're trying to achieve with uh, this podcast. And, you know, so often we drive-by buildings or spaces or places within our community. And we never think twice about how those environments are impacting the lives of individuals and the success of our city. And so this kind of behind the scenes understanding of the Ronald McDonald House has, I don't know, for me, it brings so much clarity and appreciation for the thoughtfulness in the design and in the mission that gets carried out every single day. So Kelly, if the Ronald McDonald House could talk, what would it say? I think if the Ronald McDonald House could talk, it would say, I am a home with comfy couches, 
cozy beds and a stocked refrigerator. But most of all, I am a place that provides strength, reprieve, and hope during times when my guests need it most. I think that the house would borrow some lyrics from an old 1970s Bob Dylan song. And it would say, or maybe it would even sing, Try imagining a place that's always safe and warm. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Well, Kelly and I would like to thank our guests, Eddie Portis, Mona Johnson-Gibson, Dave Powlin, the Murray family, Ashley, Jim, and Margot, our sponsor, Ortho Carolina, Brian Baltosievich, Sarah Pollock and the team at Queen City Podcast Network, Denise Cubbage and Kristen Young from Ronald McDonald House of Charlotte, and Heather McQuilkin, our chief of staff at Little, who helped to develop the concept and content and then managed all of the logistics necessary to get this podcast made. Thanks for listening, everybody. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode of If Buildings Could Talk.